and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about prophecies and dark times, the first two parts of the Lost Slayer Quartet. I don't, I don't think I have any announcements. It's been a long time. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> been a long time. I mean, this is our first back off hiatus, um, which we're very excited to be back. Yes. But it has. Yeah. It feels like it's been like a year. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been. We have. We have got, there's so much that's going on in this book. Yeah. We've got a ton to talk about, and this is only like half the journey. Yeah, for like 300, almost like almost 300 pages. So much. So much happens. happens. So much. So, okay. The Lost Slayer, it was published in 2001, which would have been during the fifth or sixth season, depending on what month this came out. So we are writing about season four after season four has completed. Our synopsis is Buffy Summer's adjustment to life at UC Sunnydale has not gone smoothly. She feels awkward, insecure, and jealous that Willow is all over the college life. So when she is visited by a prophecy... Of impending danger, the timing couldn't be worse. There's plenty of evil afoot as it is. A unified troop of vampires has descended upon Sunnydale. The tension between Buffy and Willow gets in the way of demon hunting. Before long, a single moment of bad judgment catapults Buffy into an alternate future dimension where vampires reign supreme. Imprisoned in the body of her 24-year-old self and confronting friends and foes the likes of which she never imagined. The Slayer must uncover her past misstep and correct it or risk facing a terrifying monster that she herself created. All right, so part one, prophecies. We start, as we so often do, <laughs> with Buffy on patrol, wandering down by the docks and looking for a vamp or two to slay. Quickly, as she needs to get back in time to get enough sleep that she's not late for her 9 a.m. class. Because Buffy... She is determined to rock the work-life balance this year. She's in college now, a chance to start over, to prove the stuffy-ass Watchers Council wrong, though Buffy, you fired them. Well, I think like, she's still she's still in the mindset of they still think this. Like, she spent so much time having to worry about the Watchers Council. I mean, look, we all occasionally we're in our 40s and we think about our parents approval like uh, this is true this is true i'm just like buffy don't let them take up any more like rent-free space in I your know. brain i know but again also buffy is very i am going to show you that this is a thing that i can do even though you don't care about me anymore this is true this is true she's mostly doing it for herself and that okay. was spite. that i can deal with and as so often is the case She's just about to pack it in when she hears a scream. A woman who's been cornered by three vampires in a nearby alley behind the fish tank. Hey, wait, isn't that the bar where our like sexy, slovenly Marilyn Monroe Sheila? Was it the fish tank or the fish bowl? I don't. Oh, now I gotta look it up. Hold on. I thought the same thing. I I I remembered. I'm like, hold on. It's gotta it's gotta be a thing, right? Fish tank. It is is the fish fish tank. tank. Okay, yay! Okay, first, first point, first point for Christopher Golden oh, for bringing us, back, bringing us back to the fish tank, giving us a location of the fish tank, letting us remember how shady. Oh, so shady. But yeah, I was, I was very excited. But again, I thought like I couldn't remember if it was a fish tank or the fish bowl. But either way, I was very excited 
And again, like now we, we again, we also have more location details in this weird ass little town. We do. There are three vampires and one girl, which means Buffy knows she's already too late. And boy, does that piss her off. These vamps going down. But it's not that easy because there's something off about these vampires. They're silent, organized, covered in mystical symbols and sporting bat tattoos on their faces. Tattoos that surround their weird orange glowy eyes. This organization, the way they move almost like a hyena pack, it makes for a brutal fight. Like Buffy gets a few strands of her hair ripped out of her head and her scalp starts to bleed brutal. Yeah, that's that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty rough. But in the end, she manages to stake two and get the third into a position where she can interrogate him. What's their deal? How many are there? Legions, apparently. And they serve Kamazots, who, like all bad guys, will be coming for Buffy. Shocker. She doesn't get much more than that, though, as she begins to hear sirens in the distance. Seems this is a rare night when someone heard something and called the police. (laughs) She stakes the vamp, confirms the poor girl is in fact dead, and heads off. That night, she has a dream. A dream in which the spirit of Lucy Hanover, a former slayer, appears to her. She knows Lucy, has seen her before, mostly on the ghost roads, which I believe is actually the title of another Buffy novel. Yeah, yeah. Like, we see the ghost roads a lot in the Buffy novels. Yeah, it's a good place to bring up something like that because you don't have to worry about all the special effects that it would take to deal with that. And she's been known to appear to Willow from time to time. Lucy comes with a warning for Buffy from an oracle. It's all her fault. Well, that's less than comforting. Lucy wishes she could give her more and will try her hardest to find out such. But for now, Buffy needs to watch out, watch the actions she takes and the evil around her. As weird and uncomfortable as that dream is, it actually isn't the worst one Buffy has that night. The worst one is about her and Angel lying together in the mansion. Everything is well and good until Buffy detects an evil force reaching out to her, trying to pull her away, all while Angel remains unawares. Waking from the dream... Due to hearing her name called several times, she lashes out and hits Willow square in the face. (laughs) Instantly, she's out of bed and checking on her, completely racked with guilt. Willow says it's fine, but ow. Last time she's waking her up, she just wanted to help, seeing as Buffy both snoozed her alarm and turned it off. She has class in seven minutes. I don't know. That's pretty uh, par for the course for being a college student. Yeah. (laughs) Buffy wants to make it up to her. Except for punching your roommate trying to yeah, wake you we up. Yeah, don't, we don't punch our roommates. No. Let her make it up to her. Mochaccinos or Willow, this is kryptonite and she cannot stay mad. Okay, good. Willow jokes that between Kathy and this, maybe Buffy isn't cut out for the roommate life. This causes Buffy, who is overly tired, to shoot back with a list of Willow's faults, something that hurts Willow more than any smack ever could. She heads off to class, leaving Buffy to get ready. Buffy's plans to sneak into her SOS class late, however, are all for naught. Oh, I hate this guy. Even with one of the football players helping her, she still gets caught and embarrassed in front of the whole class, chewed out for being late and for having written the date her paper was due wrong. One or the other, the teacher could forgive, but not both. Yeah, no, this is like, this is right up there with that pop culture scene in The Freshman. I felt this with every fiber of my anxiety. Oh, it, yeah, it was, that was rough. Like, but again, like, I know I said it, I've said it before in regards to Miss Walsh. Like, I don't know anybody who has ever had this kind of experience in college. Like, every, like, everything was so laid back. 
Like this is this is stuff that I feel like only happens in pop culture. Except that it happened to the creator's roommate, but that was well, also yeah. like back in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. And who? And again, who knows what what he was like? The roommate was doing <laughs> like could have <laughs> something could have spurred this on. I mean, this is true, right? Because we're yeah. getting the story the roommate told the creator, mm-hmm. and then the creator translating that story for screen. Yeah, so it's kind of like playing telephone. We don't yeah. know what the actual occurrence was. Yeah, again, it's unreliable narrator. After classes, she and Willow do go get those mochaccinos, but things feel kind of off. And when Buffy heads to Giles's place, Willow goes to see Oz, telling him about the non-fight they had and how while she gets that Buffy is adjusting. So is she. College is a brave new world for everyone. And maybe Buffy wouldn't be so pulled in every direction if she would just let people in. Let Willow in. She's there to help after all. One thing I particularly liked about this conversation was Willow bringing up how the Slayer is doomed to die. Because I, mm-hmm. I appreciate yeah. and love when people remember yep. that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's something that gets lost sometimes in in conversations and in the show itself. So yeah. anytime, like, especially like, and I love, you know, we love when, when Buffy brings it up, when Buffy is like, I'm not supposed to be alive. I could die anytime. But when somebody in her life and in the inner circle brings it up, it's especially powerful. Buffy seems to have no problem letting Giles in as she appears at his place while he is finishing up getting dinner ready for him and Olivia. We got Olivia back, who is coming to stay for a few days. She tells him about the dance and the dream of Lucy, which could be related or could not. After all, a warning of danger is vague. He promises to look into it, into all of it, though. And Buffy tells him, no rush. She's going to head out on patrol, which she decides to do right as Olivia arrives. She leaves and Olivia enters way more interested in Giles than the dinner he prepared. I love Olivia. I'm, I'm disappointed that we didn't get much Olivia, so I, I appreciate I I appreciate her being written into this book. Buffy does head out on patrol, taking with her Xander, who would otherwise have spent the evening eating cheese balls and watching bootleg kung fu movies. That's which, like a fun night to me. I was gonna say, like that sounds like a perfectly valid evening. Perfect. It also but, made me crave cheese balls. I haven't had them in a while. I know. But more fun is putting oneself in mortal peril with their friends who he admits he doesn't see as much these days due to the whole college thing. And as glad as he is for this hang time, he knows something's up with Buffy. So she spills about class and Willow. Xander tells her it's going to be fine. She'll figure it out. And Willow is her bestie. They'll patch things up in no time. Buffy appreciates the pep talk, but before any more can be said, tells Xander to hold on. Because as they are passing by a strip joint, four (laughs) people come tumbling out. Three men and one woman all sporting the same bat tattoos. Buffy moves to confront them, keeping Xander a little behind her. While she's far from intimidated by what she considers their stupid tattoos, <laughs> their eyes do still unnerve her, and she can't shake the way it felt last night when one began to drain her. Buffy is not a real fan of being weakened, powerless. Gee, I oh. wonder why. Could it be some trauma? <laughs> but also, I like the fact that now we know there's a strip club in Sunnydale. We do know there's not the Fabulous <laughs> Ladies Nightclub. No. But no. a strip club. A stri- yes. <laughs> With the vampires once again moving on her like an organized pack and hounds howling in the distance, Xander's starting to get nervous. He doesn't like this math. 
doesn't like it at all. Buffy says there is one good thing about math, subtraction. They take out some of the vamps and voila, less vamps. It's easier said than done. But Xander does manage to down one, as does Buffy. The other two escape into the strip club, (laughs) where Buffy is forced to show a bouncer just why he should not underestimate her or touch her without her consent. It's a demonstration that, for Xander, just never gets old. (laughs) Yeah, I like like when... When men try to intimidate Buffy and Xander gets to witness her kick their asses. She follows the vampires into a back room and finds more vampires. Slamming the door shut behind her, she separates Xander from the back room in an attempt to keep him safe. Out of the fight. And though she does get rid of another vamp or two, the others escape. But not in a fleeing and terror way. More a strategic retreat way. It's just enough to worry her. As she comes back into the main area of the club, she finds Xander very distracted by the girls on stage. (laughs) Well, yeah, of course. He's a teenage boy. As she drags him out towards home, Xander says she will tell Anya it was her idea to go into the club. (laughs) Right? Right? I think my favorite part of this little fight and chase sequence is that we get a mention of Merrick. Mm -hmm. Because Buffy uses a move on one of the vampires that is one of the first moves Merrick ever taught her back when she was 15. And just, well done, Buck. This is like, Golden gets a lot of points throughout these books, especially for references and just things that he chose to include that didn't need to be included. And yeah, like we are such a sucker for the tie-in media of remembering that Merrick existed. I mean, Golden, like, knows his lore. You know yeah. that he has, like, a timeline on his wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's I, another... I appreciate that. Yeah, he's another one whose brain I'd, I'd like to pick and just, you know, talk to. I love, like, I love long-term writers in certain uh-huh. IP. Like, it is a very interesting, interesting thing, especially, I mean, there are... A, There are a lot of Buffy books. Oh, yeah. The next morning, Buffy awakes with her alarm. 7 a.m. is a horrible time to be awake, but she's awake and ready to face the day. History exam and all. Even if the vampires from last night, eh, even if the vampires from the night before are still giving her the heebie-jeebies. She's dying to talk to Giles and almost went to see him last night, but, well, she had no desire to walk in on a romantic evening again. That would be a little awkward. She does notice Willow's bed hasn't been slept in, and after a bit of hemming and hawing, decides to call over to Oz's to check in. Only she doesn't say she's checking in. She instead asks Willow to join her at Giles's later that day. She also tries not to be jealous of Willow's distracted nature and the werewolf causing it. Willow says she and Oz will meet her there. Oz, it appears, has found the key to bonding with Olivia. <laughs> Giles's records. Yeah. And the two sit going through them while Olivia tells embarrassing stories from Giles's youth. Oh, bless you, Olivia. So, okay. That like that pretty much That's confirms wh- mm-hmm. that she at least knew him. Yeah. When he was part of like the Black Magic crew. Yeah, like I I think that the way it is with her is like she knew that he was part of this crew and they were kind of weird and dark but she didn't know that it was actual magic happening makes sense yeah because you know shit happens and 
sometimes like sometimes your friends are not exactly like your friends and his friends like they they she it didn't sound like she actually ran with them no and she wasn't like on the list of people no yeah so yeah it was kind of like the girl he was sometimes with off to the side (laughs) willow meanwhile is sitting with giles at the table and feels kind of bad about interrupting after all giles and olivia don't get that much time together thankfully giles has found something which means they should soon be able to leave him to his plans they just need to wait for Buffy to arrive, which she does, talking about how her paper is going nowhere and she completely messed up her exam. Willow tries to suggest that maybe she take a breather, but Buffy snaps at her. She immediately apologizes, but she still snaps at her. This Buffy is a cranky Buffy. <laughs> hey, we've all been there. Giles, using a notebook kept by his grandmother, tells us that Kamazot's isn't a vampire or a demon. He's a god, a Mayan god, the god of bath. So fun fact, this is absolutely true. Um, Only in actual Mayan mythology, Kamazots isn't so much a proper name as a type of spirit. Mm-hmm. Kamazots are bat-like spirits that serve the lord of the underworld. And the word Kamazots literally translates to death bat. In the myths, the Mayan hero twins travel to the house of bats during one of their trials in the underworld. To protect themselves from the circling bats, they squeeze themselves into their own blowguns. But when one of the twins pokes his head out to see if the sun has risen, a bat tears it off and carries it away to be used as a ball by the gods in their next game. I love mythology. (laughs) Like, the more you know. I love, I, I just love, like, I, like, I just, yeah, I, I love old, <laughs> like, old myths. I, yeah. I, like, I, and I don't know what down. else to say. Like, you know, when you, when you consider, like, any, any culture, like, every culture has weird ass myths that, like, okay. Yeah. And, and, like, all, re- like, there's some things that are, that are, that are believed across the board. But when you get these amazing, regional specific ones i i love them i love them all like just somebody sit down and tell me your stories that's all i want to hear giles goes on to tell them about the house of bats and buffy surmises that he must have all these vampires stashed in his own house of bats somewhere she thinks they should call xander and anya and have them come over see if there's any demon anya is willing to still talk to that might know something She's going to patrol and then go work on her paper. Willow, remembering that they interrupted Giles' time with Olivia, says she and Oz will go to Xander's. Fill them in there. They head out and go their separate ways. Willow's still a bit concerned about Buffy and her reluctance to take any backup. The next morning, Xander and Anya do make it over to Giles's (laughs) to help comb through papers. They've got nothing. Or, more accurately, Buckus. A word Anya has never heard (laughs) before. Seeing that spelled out was a little weird. She decides it sounds like a sex act, and Xander is down to invent it. Giles, however, would like them to be helpful. <laughs> More Giles sass. More Giles learning things against his knowledge. His yeah, against his will. Yeah, everything he learned is against his will. With his new threat and Lucy's warning, he feels things are getting dire, especially as neither Buffy nor Willow has checked in. Xander assures him everything is fine. If Buffy found something, she would have called. And if anything happened to Buffy, Willow would have called. Anya doubts that. She doubts Willow and Buffy have even seen each other, given Willow's annoyance at Buffy. What? 
Is she really the only one who noticed? That's, again, my favorite thing about Anya is like Anya, like at any, not, not just Anya, but like when Anya and when Spike pointed out like things happening, like I love when these other characters are like, you can't be serious. Yeah. Buffy does eventually call and says she too has nothing. She went to see Willie, left a hand mark on his throat. But while he's seen the vamps, he doesn't know where they came from. She and Giles also get into a bit of a tiff as Giles feels she should have checked in earlier as he Everybody's was worried. Everybody's cranky in this episode or in this, this book. <laughs> it's really, really are. It's like everybody's having a no good, very everybody, bad day. Every, like everybody, like everybody just needs a Snickers and a moment to sleep. She also reminds him that she has school. Plus, she wasn't the one who had a romantic visitor over. Rude, Buffy. I know. Like, Olivia didn't plan for all of this to happen on her visit. Giles almost tells her as much, but decides against it, turning his attention back to the vamps. A little more conversation, nothing where the vamps, noting where the vamps have been seen, and more importantly, where they haven't been seen. Anywhere near the middle of town leads them to conclude that they're staying on a ship. Buffy says she'll head to the docks in a bit, and Giles tells her to call Willow. They may need her to search manifest electronically and or magically. Buffy hems and haws, but eventually does so, calling Oz and asking him to pass on the message. Then she's off to the docks, where Giles is waiting in his citrion. <laughs> Buffy tries to get him to go home, says the whole patrol and fight thing is hers, while the research and knowledge thing is his. She can't honestly be worried about his safety after all this time. She's not. She's worried about hers. Being the Slayer is supposed to be a solo gig. It's the Chosen One, not the Chosen One and her Watcher and her friends and their significant others and whoever else they decide to take in. Giles reminds her. I was getting very annoyed with Buffy through the beginning part in this book because I, I get that she's trying to keep everybody safe and I get that she's trying to do everything on her own but just oh my god buffy buffy you know like use this use the help that you have like you these people want to help yeah (sighs) oh oh oh, buffy oh buffy giles reminds her that at least as far as watchers are concerned they were brought in to help the slayer yeah but they still weren't chosen oh that's for the slayer alone buffy is clearly struggling not just with college. Though at first her struggles here led me to believe that this takes place immediately post-living conditions. Yeah. But we'll see later that I don't think that's the... The timeline here is very, yeah, very yeah. murky. I, yeah, trying to figure out trying to figure out where this is placed is a little, little weird. Yeah. But like she's definitely going through a like almost what's my line kind of thing. Because she she does. She fears the day is coming when she's going to have to make a choice. That she is going to be just Buffy or just the Slayer. And she knows she can't leave the world without a Slayer. So Giles asks what's her plan. And it basically comes down to beat the information out of the Harper Master. <laughs> Giles offers an alternative. He'll talk to him first. And then if things seem sketchy, she can have a go. They go with Giles' plan. Giles pretending to be an investigative journalist. Oh my God, Giles. Name Robert 
Travers. Yeah. Oh, I, my God. I, I want to believe with every part of my soul that he used Quentin's last name in case things went south because oh, yeah. fuck Quentin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like in case somebody needed to hunt down a Travers and the only one that they find is in England. Yeah. It's what he deserves. Yeah, well, definitely. At first, the harbor master gives him some shit, asks about money. But then after making Giles wait... He attacks. As it turns out, the harbor master is a vampire. <laughs> From where she's waiting in the car, Buffy thinks this whole thing is taking too long. And she doesn't like it. She likes it even less when Oz's van pulls up. <laughs> Oz, Willow, and Xander inside. She loves her friends. She does. But this is not the time, nor the place, for <laughs> them to show up. She needs them to be researching. Not here. Here is where the pummeling needs to happen. That's her thing. Willow's not happy either. Not happy and wondering why Buffy didn't mention anything about needing a spell when she called Oz. Because Xander said, Giles said something about <laughs> a spell. Buffy doesn't have time to argue this now. The whole thing with Giles and the Harbor Master is freaking her out. Something's wrong. She knows it. She tells him to head home, but also tells Xander to take shotgun. Because if they drive by the Harbor Master's office and things look hectic, well, take his best shot. And things do get hectic as Buffy and the others see Giles being dragged inside. Buffy runs off, determined to save him. And for a moment, she's actually shocked by how old the Harbor Master is. Like, in human years. Most vampires are about the be young forever thing. Then it hits her. They turned him because they needed him. Needed him to keep quiet about the boat. She's about to put the heart on said Harbor Master when Kamazots himself shows up. <laughs> And he seems to be a thing of nightmares. No. Skeletal wings, thick matted hair, a wound in his chest that never seems to close. Nope, nope, nope. Buffy taunts him, as she does. And it really seems to rile him. But not enough that he falls into her trap of let's fight and get this over with. Oh no. He has a plan. Because he does want to get to the hell now. And to do it, he needs to destroy her. Standard being bad stuff. So what happens next? Ooh, it's a shit show. Oof. He tells Buffy to throw down her stake and crawl to him or else Giles will die. Well, in no way is Buffy doing that. But she also knows she can't attack or else. So she pins all her hopes on the idea that as long as he wants to lure her to him... Kamazots will keep Giles alive. Then she throws herself out a window and onto the street where there are dozens upon dozens upon dozens of vampires waiting. Or as Kamazots calls them, Kakichels. While this spelling is not entirely accurate, there was a group of Mayan people known as the Kakichel people. Or rather, I should say or rather is, I should say, <laughs> as they still exist as a population in Guatemala today. Their language is mostly known as Kakikol, uh, Kakikol, Kakikol, yeah, Kakikol, and is spoken by over 400,000 people. As a group, they are mostly farmers, and their modern-day culture is a mix of traditional Mayan and Spanish influences. They attack the van, attack Buffy. They try to pull Willow out of the van. Oh. And so Buffy goes to town, sticking everyone she comes across as she works to get to Willow. See, this is another thing I like about the books is yeah. you can have such brutal, crazy mm -hmm. fight scenes like this, and it works. 
Because a lot of times when you have big groups on the show, it gets kind of ridiculous. And also because it has to go back and forth between Sarah and Sophia. So like, I love book fight scenes. Camelot's not done though. And he appears to slit Giles's throat <sighs> in front of them. This is rough. This causes Buffy to freeze and the vamps get in some good hits. Some with a baseball bat. Like, this fight scene is brutal. Yeah, yeah. This this fight scene never would have been able to be uh-uh. Like, it's been, yeah, there's there's so much. This is this is definitely not made for television. In the end, Buffy jumps into the water, but is pursued by the vamps. Because yeah, they don't need to breathe. No. It looks like all might be lost when Buffy finds herself once again on the spirit plane and talking to Lucy, who tells her that the threat is still lingering. And no, it's not Camazot. She needs to go back. This is not her time, and she's got work to do still. And so, Buffy awakes, sputtering on a beach, to Oz and Willow standing over her. They thought she was dead! <sighs> yeah, so did she. Giles, she... He could be... Willow says they'll find him. They'll get him back. The next morning, Buffy is still racked with guilt. She left. Just left. Giles was in trouble, and she ran. No. Willow tells her that's not true. She escaped to keep fighting. It was the only thing she could do. Yeah, but what if he's... He's not. On that fact, Xander is firm. Without Giles, Kamazot has nothing to hold over Buffy. He's alive, for now at least. He looks rough. They all look rough. Thanks to the broken glass from the van and the fight with a literal army of vampires... But Xander, he looks seriously rough. As they talk, as Buffy realizes the severity of the situation, the numbness she's been feeling begins to wear off. Right. Okay, plan. Willow and Anya need to hit the books. Do the magic thing. Find the ship. Contact Lucy. Figure out exactly what they're dealing with. Oz is with her. They'll stack up on weapons. And Xander, what's he doing? He's staying there, waiting for Angel. Angel? Buffy says they need everyone. She's not sure he'll come, but... Oh, he'll come. He'll definitely come. After all, like we said in Pangs, he'd come if Buffy had a hangnail. Oh, yeah, yeah. All you have to do is say Buffy stubbed her toe and he will come running. With a plan in place, they all go do their separate parts. Or actually, they don't, as I guess contacting Lucy takes precedence and takes all of them, as the process is a seance of sorts. They draw the curtains, light the candles, and sit in a circle, Willow telling them to clear their minds, something Buffy has a little trouble doing. As first, she's totally distracted by how powerful Willow seems to be when doing magic. How beautiful. I love that moment. I love this moment. I do. I loved that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I love... she is. Yeah, because I love... I I love this, this train of thought from Buffy and how she... And and we'll we'll get, you know, into the, the next book too, like she how much she appreciates Willow and the change when Willow is doing magic and how she's a lot more confident. I love their friendship. I don't like that they were fighting. And then she starts to worry about Giles again. Thankfully, once she appears, Lucy is able to confirm that Giles is not among those on the ghost roads. There is still time to save him. Other than that though, she's kind of unhelpful. As she isn't a seer, she's only the go-between, can only convey what the prophet has told her. Well, can they talk to the prophet? Saying that she will check, Lucy disappears. Which leaves them all 
waiting, <laughs> wondering what happens next. Anya says she has to pee, and after some very <laughs> odd discussion about kinks involving that, she goes to do so. Again, at- this is this is this is not television. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> and she goes to do so, but as so often is the way, that's when the prophet decides to appear. A shapeless, shadowy void of a female form. Buffy asks how to avoid the mistake she warned of, how to stop the danger. It's too late. The prophet says the mistake has already been made. The change is already in motion. But while it cannot be stopped, the prophet says she can show Buffy what is to come. Allow her to prepare. All she has to do is touch her. Willow is firmly against this. But Buffy reaches out, touches the prophet, and screams. Whatever the prophet does, it sends Buffy's soul hurtling through time, (laughs) violently pulled and tugged until it collides with another version of herself, an older version of herself held captive by Kamazot's vampires for five years, tossed in a cell built specifically to hold her with no way to harm herself to take the easy way out. She remembers it, remembers being thrown in, remembers her captivity, and yet she also knows that just moments ago she talked to the prophet. But it was just yesterday she watched Giles be taken. She is now living with two timelines inside her head. And this future timeline, it's missing a chunk. As she remembers nothing between talking to the prophet and ending up in the cell. There is no memory of how she was captured. Just that she was. And she knows this isn't a dream because she feels everything. The new way her body moves, having done nothing but tone it for years. Work out to keep herself sane. The scars. The pain. And she knows there is nothing she can do now except wait, continue to train, and hope the vampires let their guards down. It's two whole weeks, and then they throw another girl in Buffy's cell. A young girl, maybe 16 or so. She immediately recognizes Buffy and seems shocked to see her, which leads Buffy to ask who she is and how she knows who she is. She's August, the new Slayer. But if she's a Slayer, then that means Faith six months ago. They tried to catch her like they caught Buffy, but she died in the fight. She's honestly the whole reason the vampires haven't been able to take control of the entire West Coast. So Buffy's just been there this entire time? Well, no, she's only been there about three weeks. But realizing the timeline August knows (laughs) that she has, she knocks all this time. And she's never tried to escape? Of course she has. She's the Slayer. Correction, a Slayer. She's not even the main one anymore. And the council, they've stopped referring to her by her name. She's just the Lost Slayer now. Well, oh, look, it's the title of the, the title of the book. <laughs> well, that's harsh. And also, shut up, council. I know, but I mean, you know, they. Okay. Uh, we, yeah, I mean, but, but, but hey, is- hey, they are refer like they were still referring to Buffy, so they were still acknowledging Buffy's existence. Yeah. Oh, council. But this is the part where I started to get, like, officially confused by where we were supposed to put this book. Yeah. Because the beginning of it does make it seem like we're somewhere post-living conditions, but pre-wild at heart. Mm-hmm. Buffy's yeah. still having issues. Oz is still there. Yeah. But there's no mention of Riley, no mention of Dr. Walsh. There's no mention of the initiative. But the mention of Faith would put it post who are you because Buffy would have to know that A... Faith is alive yeah. and out of a coma. And B, 
working as a slayer again. So, but that just, it, it hurt yeah. my head when I started then, thinking too much about we it. Get, and then in the next, in, in the next book, we're going to see Parker again. Yes, we're going to see Parker again. We're going to see fucking Parker being the fucking worst again. So, like, it was, it was really odd to try to, like, put this somewhere like a lot some yeah. of the books you can you can put in yeah. the timeline yeah yeah this they, one they was work... really hard to do yeah they they at least have a little bit more of a of a place that you could shove it in i mean all of the tie-in novels are going to be a little timey-wimey but yeah this one was a little hard to parse out anyway august says that buffy has really tried everything yeah well, it kind of sucks then, doesn't it? That the vampires have gotten smart enough to know that if you just imprison the Slayer and don't kill her, then another can't come along. Poor Buffy. Yeah, it does suck a lot. But unless the vamps let their guard down, there's nothing they can do. Well, there's one thing. What? August can kill Buffy. Yeah, but <sighs> no. Yeah, I feel so bad for both of these girls right now. But so also, I understand, like, we are writing, this book takes place in season four. Mm -hmm. But it was being written during either five or six. Yeah. So we, as someone reading this, know that the Slayer line doesn't even run through Buffy anymore. Right. Yeah. So killing her is going to do jack shit. Yeah. But technically during season four, we didn't know that. And clearly August has no way right, yeah. of knowing that. Yeah. But that's the whole reason another Slayer wasn't called during the gift. Because only Faith counts. Because so Buffy, you, Buffy died. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, actually, honey bunny. <laughs> yeah. But you know Slayer, what? We can, we, get- we, can also, we can also take into account that this poor girl is terrified oh absolutely you know it it's also her you know just not even thinking too clearly yeah but i'm like mm, the only way we're getting a new slayer is if you let buffy kill you yeah but again we we are going in with too much knowledge we are we are we are being omnipotent and that's actually the the whole like i can kill you is the line that takes us to part two yeah which is dark times. And the shit show continues. Whoa, whoa. For a moment, Buffy just stares at her. And all the time she's been kept in that cell, that she's faced her captors, she never, ever thought the next threat to her life would come from another slayer. But August is determined. Buffy's become a zoo animal. A pet. Brood. She might as well have a habit trail. Buffy says, captivity or no, she's still the slayer. And when she gets out... There will be hell to pay. August can't believe her, her arrogance, her selfishness. She's not the Slayer. She's a Slayer. She herself doesn't matter. What matters is that there's someone out there who can fight, which means one of them has to die. Buffy refuses to kill her, but she also won't allow herself to be killed. August doesn't accept that and forces Buffy into a brutal fight. One Buffy tries to stop several times over. But August pushes and pushes until Buffy accidentally snaps her neck with a kick. That moment breaks Buffy. This, again, this is a brutal series. Wakes her up and using her own minor injuries and some conveniently Ooh. placed floor blood, <laughs> she makes it look like her, flo- her throat was slit. Now all she has to do is wait. Because the vampires heard the screams, the fight. Of course they did. 
And a couple of them are actually disappointed to have missed it. <laughs> I like, I do like, I do like these low level vamps, their discussion. It kind of makes me think of Stormtroopers. Yes. Especially in the Jedi Fallen Order game, because as you're creeping around, you are hearing their conversations. And yes. like, like that's that's always one of my favorite things is just to hear NPC conversations. Also, it reminds me a little bit of like the uh, the Hydra agents at the beginning yeah. of Age of Ultron. Like, yeah, the Avengers. <laughs> Did you stop them? It's the, the Avengers. Avengers. Yeah, that that that's always been one of our favorite moments. Oh, Hydra oh, Bob. Hydra Bob. <laughs> <laughs> that was the moment when we decided that it was Hydra Bob. They open the door and head inside, first believing August to be simply knocked out. Then they realize she's dead. <laughs> This causes a small panic, but that small panic turns into a larger one when they see Buffy, also supposedly dead, (laughs) and playing in a pool of her own blood. Especially as this was a, you had one job kind of deal. Keep the Slayer imprisoned and alive. And now they're both dead. Yeah. Her being dead means they fucked up. They fucked up a lot. Um, We should probably mention that one of the vamps that's on guard duty was sired by Harmony. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Harmony. So, you know, some of the vamps are Kamazot's vamps and the other are like the breed of vamps that we're used to. Yeah. (laughs) There's a small debate about what to do. If they should do anything. After all, not like boss is going to come there. I like how they're being very vague about this boss. And I I wonder if that's going to come up later. I, I do. I do appreciate that. That's There's a lot of misdirection going on here and there's the constant talk of him and the yeah. boss. Yeah, you mm. always know when they're being vague that something's coming. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I wonder. This debate provides Buffy the opening she needs. Cribbling the vampire closest to her, she grabs the stun stick he's been using. Again, they fucked up! <laughs> Because they took this near-mythical being, the girl who has somehow managed not to be dead, despite her injuries and blood loss, and they locked her up. And now she has a weapon. (laughs) A weapon with which she advances upon them. The deaths of her guards are gory, intimate. She has no stakes, and so beheadings are the order of the day. She doesn't like it, though. Doesn't like having to get that close. As she winds her way out of the building, she does manage to find an old oak railing on one of the staircases. And while the piece she breaks off isn't perfect, it does make her feel better. Especially when she uses it to kill a tattletale vamp in, the, in, an, in another hallway. One attempting to sound the alarm due to her escape. I don't know, if I was those vamps and I saw a very pissed off slayer, yeah, I'd, I'd be I out saw of nothing. there. I, you know, hey... All good. I'm just gonna go. I I will leave. Oh look, it's my blood break. Yeah. Oh yeah, look. I. You know what? I don't get paid enough for this. In fact, I don't get paid at all. <laughs> nope. I didn't. No. I like my afterlife. I like being undead. I'm just have fun. After that, she needs to run. Breaking through a painted glass window, she lets sunlight into the building. Sunlight that keeps the vamps a good ten feet away from her and allows her to escape. But her troubles aren't over yet, because while she's now outside, she has 
no idea where she actually is, at least not at first. After walking a bit, she does kind of recognize stuff and puts together that she's in El Suerte, about 15 minutes from home. But it's a weird, bizarro El Suerte, devoid of almost any human activity. And the humans she does come across are skittish, hesitant to interact. That's when Buffy puts it together. The vampires are holding the whole town hostage, which really doesn't look good for Sunnydale because in a town run completely by vampires, an older man told her she was nuts for wanting to go there. She needs to find a way, though. And eventually she does in the form of a police car that she steals when two cops come after her determined to take her back to her prison. As she drives away, she's stunned by her own reflection. How hard in it's become. It's funny. Once upon a time, she tried so hard to be 100% Buffy and 100% the Slayer. And now she doesn't even know if there's any of Buffy's life left in this future. It's possible they've all, but she can't think on that now. She needs to get to Sunnydale. Find out for certain what's become of her mom, her friends, both now and back when the prophet sent her forward. Well, to answer that question, (laughs) we go back to just moments before Buffy was hurtled through time when the prophet made her offer. And while everything in Willow is screaming for her to stop it, she can't. All she can do is rush forward and grab her best friend's body as it goes limp. And as the prophet and Lucy disappear, something Xander says is just so typical, Offer to show people impending doom and then duck out before the questions can roll in. Anya says there was something evil about the prophet, something she didn't like. She also wants to know why Xander insists on living in Sunnydale. All the places <laughs> they could live and he chooses impending apocalypses. To be fair, he was born there. He didn't actually choose it. He just chooses to stay. True. And Willow does remind Anya that those apocalypses are going to come no matter where they live. That, that's fair. Like, if the world is ending, the world is ending. Yeah, yeah. They just won't have advance warning. She's getting really worried about Buffy. Her skin's kind of cold. Oz suggests she may be in shock. But before they can get too far into it, Buffy comes to, opens her eyes. See? She's fine. More than fine, actually. She gets up, stretches, flexes her fingers, and then proceeds to go to the closet and grab her leather jacket. Is she going after Giles? Now? They need a plan. It's fine. And it's nothing they have to worry about. Her voice is almost expressionless as she says it. And she doesn't seem to even register Xander's upset and anger when he mentions her once again being omniscient slayer. Yeah, Willow's not sure what's going on. But she's definitely not a fan. Back in the future, Buffy heads towards Sunnydale. Passing boarded up, burned down businesses. She knows people will most likely be looking for her. And so she ditches the police car behind what used to be the Sunnydale drive-in. Back in the day, the drive-in was a major hangout for Vams. And so she decides to do a check just to see if anyone is there. If anyone saw her, there's no one. But there is some furniture she can break to make stakes. And even more oddly, she finds a crossbow. Her crossbow. Mm -hmm. With a note. Yeah, that's not suspicious at all. Taking that, the quiver of bolts, and her new stakes, she heads back out to the car. She grabs a bag from the back, loads it up with weapons, and grabs a couple of flares. Then she heads towards town, determined to keep off the roads. Sunnydale turns out to be (laughs) even more of a mess than El Suerte. Half of it completely in ruins, while the other half thrives. I mean, that's having (laughs) Clearly having made deals with the vampires. It makes her even more worried about what has become of those she knew. Her wanderings take her towards the warehouse district and the bronze where she runs into Parker. Fucking Parker. Fucking Parker. 
as soon as he showed up, I was reading at work, so I didn't say it out loud, but I thought fucking Parker very loudly. Who seems to be locating humans for the vamps to feed on? As if Parker couldn't get any worse. That's not entirely true. And he too gets fed off of volunteering to be a donor means you only have to do one night every so often and that you get to live. But Buffy still thinks it makes him scum. All but hijacking his car, she tells him to drive. Where? South. As they drive, she makes him fill her in. The vampires have been in charge for four years. Started small, then grew. New mayor, new teachers and professors. Their reach is ever-growing. Word is they changed the governor. All by order of their king. Apparently he has a plan. One he's enacting slowly. Making sure to leave enough humans around and in charge to mask what is really going on. To make things look normal to the greater outside world. King? Is that what Kamazots is making people call him now? <laughs> Parker says something about her really having been out of the loop. Yeah, oh yeah. When they're overtaken by two vans, vampires in sun-repellent hazmat suits pop out as the sky overhead begins to grow dark. So dark that the vamps can take off their hoods and goggles. Along with some of Kamazot's vamps from the day, she sees Harmony and Spike and Drew. <laughs> And I love that, like, Harmony waves. Oh, yeah. Like, it's such uh, it's such a Harmony moment. Oh, Harmony. We move back to the past then, to Willow in another attempt to contact Lucy. As Willow has grown even more concerned about Buffy because she didn't try to go rescue Giles. She hasn't done anything even close to resembling a rescue plan. She just goes to her classes. When she first tries, a soul eater appears, but then he disappears and there's Lucy who hears Willow's concerns and vows to get to the bottom of them for her. Not that it takes long, because the moment Buffy appears in the room, Lucy knows. That's not Buffy. (laughs) That's the prophet, who seems to like Buffy's body and has no intention of giving it up. How very Dark Phoenix of her. (laughs) When Willow tries to stop her from leaving, she backhands Willow and leaves anyway. Spike is sounding a little Kiefer Sutherland-esque, as we're told his hair has gotten longer, shaggier, very Lost Boys-like. He does, yeah. Yeah, he does. I, I for one, would love to have seen James looking like the Lost Boys Kiefer Sutherland. He's pleasantly surprised to see Buffy. Last he heard, she was a domesticated kitten. Drew says they know just what to do with kittens. And Harmony begs them to tell her they don't hurt kitties. Only <laughs> when Drew's hungry. This little fight scene is ridiculous, as it's mostly Buffy slaying vampires with a car. Yeah, yeah. I like, yeah. I, I'm just enjoying Buffy working with what she has. Yeah, she uses a car to kill some vamps, including, I believe, Harmony. And then she stakes others that get too close to her. And when she sees her opening, she just drives off. Bike and Drew try to follow with their van, but they're too slow. Buffy says she needs to figure out just how far Kamazot's reach extent. Ditching the Mercedes near a residential area, she wanders along Redwood Drive. The street that reminds her very much of the street she lived on during high school. Nice houses, nice lawns, SUVs or sedans in every driveway. However, the neighborhood is quiet. Too quiet. Like, people are afraid the sound of their breathing will bring the vampires. Because while it's clear that some people are home, their shades are drawn tight, their lights are dimmed. Eventually, Buffy chooses one such house and takes a chance breaking through the back door. At first, the owners are stunned. They didn't invite her in. How is she... Buffy explains that she's not a vampire. (laughs) 
and she needs their phone. She's getting out of here. She wants to leave. Buffy is honestly shocked by this reaction. Of course she wants to leave. They want to stay. They don't want trouble. And if Buffy speaks to anyone like that on their phone line, it's going to bring trouble. They're always listening. Buffy decides to risk it and tries to reach Angel. But according to the information line in LA, Angel Investigations doesn't have a listing. Neither does Wesley. Cordelia had one, but it's listed as private. At least that's something. Someone she once knew is still alive. She doesn't dare try to call her mom, Willow or Xander. She's too afraid of them not answering. So instead, she calls the council. The last people she'd normally ever want to call, but right now, the only people that can help her. At first, they don't believe her, think it's a prank. But when she asks for Quentin, that somehow convinces them. She's told Quentin is dead and that Alan, the person she's talking to, will arrange for an extraction team an hour from now. She just needs to be at a restaurant a little up the highway. I do like the fact that she mentions Quentin. And like yeah. that is her, that like, she hates this asshole, but she knows that mentioning him and wanting to talk to him will get her where she needs to be. Because who else knows about that fucker? <sighs> she says she'll be there and warns the council that a welcome wagon could be waiting. Then she demands the couple give up the keys to their car. They don't want to. One, it's their car. And two, they don't want people to know think they helped her. Okay. She hits the man. Now they can tell people it was against their will. Keys. Now. <laughs> Saying she'll be back, Buffy heads off towards the restaurant. Back in the past, Willow heads to Xander's. Technically, today was the day they were supposed to enact their big plan to rescue Giles. But now there are more pressing issues. Like stopping the entity that stole Buffy's body from leaving town. Because if she does, they may never find her, which means they'll never find out what happened to actual Buffy or get her back. But what about Giles? Willow says they just need to hope he'll live till morning. I love how salty Anya is in this whole scene mm -hmm. because due to dire circumstances, Willow and Oz head to Xander's earlier than they were supposed to, which means Xander and Anya were still in bed. Yeah. So Anya at first threatens to give them the pox, <laughs> which sadly she cannot do as she's no I, longer a demon. Yeah. I love how she still threatens things and Xander reminds her that she no longer has those powers. I know. So cute. <laughs> then she just lays out all the truth, saying that this is all Buffy's fault. It's her thinking she could do everything herself is what led to this. Anya is very savage. He writes he writes Anya very well. He does. Like he he really has that voice down for her and her frustration at all the situations that are happening, especially when they are interrupting her sexy fun times. On her way out of Sunnydale, Buffy cuts through a hamlet known as Citrus Beach, which gives us a bit more insight into the way things are now. Vampires roaming in packs like Mardi Gras revelers. Humans basically kept as pets. Buffy wants to help them, but she has to get to the council, get back up. She'll come back, though. Knowing the main road will be too risky, she decides to take surface streets and hope she doesn't get lost. She's doing good, too, until she's just a few miles out from the restaurant. That's when she hits it, the roadblock. All at once, vampires begin emerging from the cars blocking the road from the forests. And so Buffy does the only thing she can do. She drives the car right through the roadblock, flipping it. It fucks her up physically. Hurts like hell. But she's okay because she's alive. And as she gets out of the car and the vampires advance on Drusilla's command, she tosses a road flare into the gasoline puddle leaking from her car. Because yeah, she's going to die for the trees as she blows these vamps sky high. For Kendra. For Kendra. For Kendra. I, oh. I 
I loved that so much. I know. I know. Like, like we love, like we loved Drusilla. Oh, so much. We, we as people fucking love Drusilla. But the fact that Buffy is killing Drusilla, killing them for Kendra. And again, the mention of Kendra, because we already got mention of Faith. Yeah. And now we are remembering. Yeah. Like he mentioned Merrick. He mentioned Kendra. He like we are. The points are tallying up for for Mr. Golden. With the help of Lucy Hanover, Willow and the others managed to track Buffy's body to the bus station. Oh, the Sunnydale <laughs> bus station. Oh, nothing, again, nothing good ever happens at the Sunnydale bus station. Nope. It's late, so the number of buses out is limited. A good thing is it means they have a better chance of getting whoever, though I swear they said it was the prophet, out of Buffy's body. Willow sends Xander and Oz to locate Buffy's body while she begins a spell meant to exercise the spirit. Something that could prove a bit risky as Willow doesn't know the spirit's true name. Without their name, Willow could end up drawing the spirit to her. She begins the spell, but it doesn't go well. The being inside Buffy's body gets wise and moves to attack Oz and Xander. Willow says she won't let her leave, and she says she doesn't have a choice. That's when the power goes out. Blackness surrounds as the vampires arrive, the prophet freaking out. He's found her. And as Kamazoth enters, he says... Yes, he has. The girl is his, but the others, those his followers can kill. Reaching the area where the restaurant is, Buffy decides to wait in a nearby gas station till the council's extraction team arrives. And while the gas station is deserted, the restaurant up the road seems hopping. Almost as if the boundary between the vampire's territory and the humans lies between them. And while she intends to wait until it's the time decided upon, she starts to get impatient, and so she begins to sprint towards the restaurant, which is how she discovers Spike and at least a dozen or so vampires waiting for her. Spike particularly wanting revenge for Drusilla. But alas, the orders are not to kill her, so... The first couple of vamps that come out at Buffy, she dusts easily. The next, well, it's been a good five years since her body's had a proper fight. And so she relishes the fight that comes. A bit of hand-to-hand, her stake meeting vampiric flesh. But the vampires have weapons too. Swords. Guns. Which I know after the thing with Darla and the thing with Warren, a lot of people asked why vampires didn't just carry guns. Right, yeah. In the alternate timeline, they do. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I eat. you gotta get to the point where you're like, I cannot fight her hand-to-hand. Spike has a battle axe. (laughs) And by the time Spike reaches her, she thinks she just may die. She's lost a lot of blood. She's on the ground. She's already taunted him about Drusilla's death, talking about how she danced as she died. But then something happens. Spike stops and his whole body shakes a bit before falling. It seems the cavalry has arrived. The extraction team joins the fight. Led by Xander, Willow, and Oz, who seems to have very much embraced his wolf side. I love that. They beat the vampires back, but only as much as necessary. Because, as Xander, who is now very rugged and a little scarred, tells Buffy, they're not there to win. They're there to get her out. And get her out they do, packing her into the back of a sedan and driving off. Spike, of course, escaped. The other vampires are also getting back into their cars. But there's this one car with a man standing in front of it. A man that Buffy cannot make out the features of. It's something about it unnerves her, fills her with dread. We go back to the bus station 
to the Scoobies, Kamazots, and his army of vampires. The Scoobies make for the van, Willow using some fire spells to help them along and burn up the vampires. And though Buffy fights, Kamazot still manages to catch her, grab her, pull her close, and stick his weird long-ass tongue down oh, her throat. Oh, that, which oh, that kind of... Thinking about that scene reminded me, I don't know if you watched, um, if you watched La- uh, The Last of Us yet. No, I haven't. But yeah, there's there's a scene with the fungus going into somebody's <sighs> mouth in a weird ass kiss. And that's what that reminded me of. It's just, ew. I mean, also a little yay because he's like pulling the spirit thing yeah. out. But ew, ew. ew. Yeah, did not consent to that. Seeing this, Willow, now in the van with the others, says to go. Run Kamazot's and Buffy's body down. Her body will survive it. But hopefully, hopefully Kamazot's won't. It's clear Willow's telling the story to Buffy, filling in the gaps of her memories, telling her how she came to be in that cell. Because that night, that night was the start of it all. And the prophet, she was actually a demonic entity. Evil, but more evil-ish. Like a light evil. She was also Kamazatsu's wife. She fled him, but he swore he'd find her. As they arrive at the new HQ, Xander heads right inside, but Buffy and Willow, they fall back. Take a moment. Embrace. Willow says there's so much to catch up on, and sadly, not all of it is good. Buffy mentions something about Kamazatsu, and Willow tells her, he hasn't been seen for years. Huh? <laughs> yeah! Back in the past, we start to learn why that might be. As Giles appears beside the van, eyes glowing orange and with fang. He tells the others not to worry about Buffy. He'd never dream of hurting her. After all, if she dies, then another comes. But if they keep her alive, as the Scoobies escape, regroup, Willow is just done ruined she's racked with sobs and she's not faring much better in the future having to break the news to buffy giles he's a vampire no not a vampire the most ruthless evil clever vampire there is he's their king dun 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 dun. the end and that is where we leave it until next time. Yeah, we that's we did that on purpose when we were when I was flipping through the omnibus. I'm like, oh, that is a great part. Oh, I mean, it's such a great cliffhanger to leave it on. Yeah, because yeah. what what and the fact that like it's already too late in the past. Oh yeah, like Giles is a vampire, so like how are we how are we gonna fix this? What is what we need to fix this? We need to fix this. Yeah. And I I have started the third part. I'm not like all the way through the third part yet. But I'm going to the hits are going to keep coming. (laughs) The hits are going to keep coming. Yep. It's just, it's so good. I I was so excited to talk about these two parts. I'm even more excited to talk about the next two parts. Because we're going to learn so much more stuff. I didn't mention it because we didn't. there, There was only, there was one good international title that came for the dark times for for book two oh. and it was french the accursed times that's amazing and i love it yeah because the first for for prop for prophecies it was just prophecies or the prophecy yeah but, yeah we got in french the accursed times oh that's so good and 
we don't have one. We don't have a good one for uh, King of the Dead, but we do have one for Original Sins. Actually, we have two for Original Sins, so I'll I can add those in when we when we record that book. Well, I'm excited. Yep. All right. So, like we said, that is it for this week. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to join us next time when we take on season four, episode eleven, Doomed. You gotta wait for you gotta wait for the second half of the. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we're gonna keep you in suspense for a little bit. Yep. Um, until then, check out all our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye! Bye!